You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I'm your host, Steph. It is Monday, January 22nd. We are just a couple of days removed from the 49ers winning their first playoff matchup of the season against the Green Bay Packers. Joining me to talk all about it and what we know about our next opponent, the Detroit Lions, Weston P. Smith. Weston, how you doing, man? I'm well, Steph. Happy Victory Monday. Happy National Let's Just Slander Brock Purdy Monday and all the above. It's just one of those days. Oh, God. What what an annoying, like, day. Like, you have a quarterback who – you know, gets a game-winning drive, puts his team in position. I know it wasn't a great three quarters prior to that, but what else can you ask for from a starting quarterback winning a playoff game, putting you in position to win a playoff game, and then just get slandered in the media the very next day? Like, what the hell? And when did this happen? When did this shift happen from, like, the most loved underdog story to the most hated underdog story like I just I don't understand when that shift happened maybe it was all the MVP talk of the season it rubbed people the wrong way for whatever reason again people should be happy for Brock but you know I'm happy I'm happy for Brock I'm happy for the fact that the 49ers won but Weston it wasn't in a pretty fashion was it no it it most (laughs) certainly was not one point on the Brock slander, if you don't mind, Steph. It's yeah. I feel like the the elite quarterback conversation is just a flawed argument to begin with. Like at the end of the year, thirty one quarterbacks are going home without hosting hoisting a trophy, right? And you're going to have some quote unquote elites in that. But I don't understand it. If they're elite, why should they lose? Lamar Jackson has a losing playoff record, but I thought he was elite. Patrick Mahomes hasn't won every Super Bowl that he's played in, but I thought he was elite, right? Like it's just the Josh Allen's elite, but yet he just went home. You want to know why they lost games? You want to know why they went home? It's because they didn't have the supporting cast that they needed. Aaron Rodgers talked about as a Hall of Fame quarterback, single Super Bowl, flawless early exit or limitless endless exits from early exits from the from the playoffs because he didn't have the cast. So you're penalizing somebody because they have the cast. Like show me somebody who's won the Super Bowl. And dare you to tell me that they didn't have playmakers around them. It's just part of the deal. It's a flawed argument to begin with. It's clickbait all around from the national media. And what's most upsetting, I literally don't care, Steph. Like, if Brock Purdy could be rated the 32nd overall quarterback in the NFL, if they they hoist the Lombardi Trophy, I don't. I I literally does not bother me in one single bit. I just want. I feel bad for the kid, right? Because he is a kid, like, and he deserves his flowers. I don't think any of us are sitting here saying Brock Purdy is an elite quarterback by the definition of it. All we're saying is, gosh darn, for Mr. Irrelevant, he's a really damn good quarterback. So just give him his flowers, move on. This is all about egos, and this is all about people who missed an evaluation of somebody, and they can't stand that he's playing, you know, top level, top flight football right now, quarterbacking his club, but nobody ever wants to mention about all the the, the first round busts that everybody's touted and those missed evaluations. It's just the argument's flawed to begin with. And I don't know where like, like why today was 
kick him in his ding dong day because that's like literally what it was. I don't I don't know. Everywhere after after winning a game, no less after. But it wasn't 10 digits. It wasn't double digits. Yeah, I guess that's it. (laughs) I guess that's it. But you know what they kept saying when he was winning by 10 plus digits, when this 49ers team was winning by 10 plus digits? We want to see him win from behind. He hasn't shown us that he can do that. And when he does it, <laughs> it's it's like I'm not impressed because he didn't come back from 10 plus points. It was it was uh it was four points. How about if it was five? How about if it was seven? I want more. Always with the movement of the goalposts when it comes to Brock Purdy. And that's the first biggest sign that people are just looking for any reason to to not like him to discredit him to like to me it's just people who thought that Brock was a fluke and that this flame whatever he has going on was going to fizzle out at some point his insanity run was going to be over they're waiting for that shoe to drop and it hasn't yet that bothers because it means they're wrong now they're just doubling down, triple down. If they say it enough times, it's got to be true. It's got to come to fruition. Yeah, here's, exactly. Here's my thought. I like in what's going on with Brock the same way I like in for a lot of you very serious full-time content creators that when you get attacked for your opinion, usually it's because you're saying something right, right? Or you're doing something right. And this is the world we live in. Haters going to hate, right? Success is going to breed enemies and breed criticism, it is what it is. Here's what I do now. Nothing galvanizes a locker room more than this slander that goes on. And you see his true? supporting cast coming. That's all I care about. Do they have this man's back? Because that's what's going to translate on the field. Not what Colin Coward or Ryan Clark or Keyshawn Johnson or the list goes. Anything that they have to say, like that's just bulletin board material to motivate a young, hungry player. That's all it is. Uh, the, yeah, the speed at which uh, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel both came to Brock Purdy's defense and, you know, they did it on their Instagrams because they saw the, the posts, uh, you know, that's everyone's sharing. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think it speaks volumes and it's going to pump everyone up. It, and I hope it, it pumps Brock Purdy up, too, because we were hearing some of the noise even going into this game about like all the comparisons to Jordan Love and Brock Purdy and well it doesn't look the same when it's Jordan Love <laughs> you know all these things uh and you know yet you know maybe the 49ers did come out a little bit flatter than we were hoping they would given all the rust versus uh rest talk that had taken place uh, given that, you know, the Packers were not to be taken lightly because they had just beat the number two seed Cowboys. You know, I was expecting, I guess, a a more, uh, I don't know, just a more dominant performance from the 49ers. But at the end of the day, I'll tell you, I don't care how they win. <laughs> I don't win. care how they win. Oh, yes, a win is a win. But how did you feel, you know, watching that game, how it started? You know, how how are you feeling in the middle of it, halftime, third quarter? Because I know how you felt at the end of it. <laughs> I can't <laughs> wait to talk about the end of it and what went down in my household. But 
Um, actually, the start of it felt good going into this game, right? Felt really confident about the opponent, about what they wanted to accomplish, what we'd be able to accomplish. I thought there was a lot of unknowns on the Green Bay side. Like when you think about your game planning for somebody, what's the number one thing you want to do? Take away their superstars. There are no superstars on Green Bay, right? Like you could, they showed it throughout the game. Every, every month, a new receiver led in receptions and yards. And that that's good for their offense, right? But that's hard for a defense to schematically plan against. And they were, on you know by all accounts playing like their hair was on fire they were the hottest team you know um, playing with house money all of that and then when they take the ball right and they say we want to go down the field and we want to put this in the end zone just like they did against Dallas and you hold them to three for me that like okay that slows the momentum a little bit that they're carrying over from the week before um so so the beginning of the game felt good I think there was some evidence of rust, right, in that rest period of just maybe not being on on the same page. Uh, I don't know if I really loved the the play calling early. I re- you and I talked about this last week. I thought the the recipe to this was making sure twenty three had twenty five plus carries in this game and just mm-hmm. move on. And they clearly put it in his hands. Obviously, weather makes me nervous. It's the ultimate equalizer. Um, I might be in the minority here. I know a lot of people were criticizing Shanahan. Um, about game management and clock management like right before the half. I don't have those same concerns. Uh, I, listen, I'll crit- I'm not here just to not criticize Kyle. If the opportunity presents itself, I think I've done it many of times on your show. But the reality was is like I think he dialed some things up to, to get that ball down. They just didn't come to fruition. The one where Ayuk is run- where he dumps off short to McCaffrey and Ayuk's mm-hmm. running over the middle of the field. Brock had time, but to me, like watching it, his – his angle where he would want to step in to make that throw, he would have been like literally stepping on the back of the leg of his offensive lineman. And I just don't think he was confident in planning that leg. And he, you know, these are split, split decisions. Um, And then as you, I think obviously like the final six minutes of the game is like where you really saw 49er football, that four minute offense, taking it all the way down. He looked great on that final drive, but I text you this, this game had the same feeling to me as the 2021 divisional round game against Green Bay in Green Bay that I was at. I sat there the entire, for 56 minutes, Steph, I sat there thinking my team was losing and I was about to drive 18 hours home sulking in my own sorrows so that when they actually won that game from block punt for a touchdown to kick Robbie goal field goal, I don't even think it hit me until the next morning when I woke up in our Airbnb to drive home that like, holy shit, we really did actually win that football game. And it kind of just felt the same, right? Like, yeah, you can't tell me that there weren't points during this game where you were like, damn, that was a really special season. And unfortunately, it's probably looking like it's about to, <laughs> to, to come to an end. It just didn't like they just weren't getting it going. They weren't keeping the chains moving like it just didn't look and feel the same. So I'm going to say rust. I'm going to say weather. But here's the great news. They still found a way to win despite all those factors. And that is the sign of a good football team, finding ways to win the game when all the chips aren't stacked in your favor. And then, of course, the way that the game ended by by the time it ended, my oldest was passed out on the couch next to me. My (laughs) wife passed out with like two minutes left. It was a long Saturday. So it was just me and my nine-month-old baby 
And I am screaming at the top of my lungs. Like I thought the cops were going to get called on, like come to my house for like a noise violation. So much so my, my oldest would just wake up on the couch and be like, daddy, shut up. I'm just like, son, you know what you're in store for. This is how we roll. But uh, yeah, com- complete jubilation at the end of that, because I know this team is better. And I know we're going to see, I'm confident we will see better from this team this weekend. This this is what we talked about. Like that that rest period, not just the two weeks, but even what happened in week 18 for us. Like that's dangerous territory. Like you're sitting on the fence about like, and who's the one person who said you didn't have to worry about? Who, Brock? Christian McCaffrey. Oh, McCaffrey. Yeah, I mean, as far as McCaffrey goes, you know, like I... I wanted him to start this game off and and settle things in for the 49ers. Like, I think that's how the 49ers were going to be able to dispel some of that rust because you start running the football and I wasn't worried one bit about McCaffrey being rusty. Right. And he certainly did not look it uh, in that game. And so I thought that plus the, the rain and weather that favored the 49ers you know, probably being able to run and get Brock settled in because, yeah, I mean, I think it it makes sense that he was rusty a little bit and he needed some time to settle in, but the rain kept him from making throws that I think he probably a would have attempted. And two, the ones that he did attempt, like for whatever reason, like just weren't, he wasn't making those throws. Like there was a lot of inaccuracy uh, with Brock early in the game and I'm not 100% sure if that was due to the rust or if it was due to the rain, but I know each of those things had something to do with it, <laughs> you know, at least some percentage of it. And so it was, it was it was hard to get out of that, you know, kind of rut because you continue throwing the football and you're not really, like, easing, I guess, Brock Purdy back into the swing of things. I think, like, at some point he was kind of okay with just getting the checkdowns just to kind of, like, get something rolling. And, you know, we saw how that did kind of help them going into halftime. Things were actually more even than it felt. And I think the reason that for us 49er fans, it felt really bad and it felt like we were going to lose the game, despite it being pretty evenly matched at halftime is because we're not used to the 49ers uh, playing down to any opponent. Um, and if they do, like, you know, they they get out of it. But then you had the rain, you had Debo uh, missing you you had a lot of things the chips were were stacked against them you know so you're like man I don't, I don't know how they're going to be able to come back from this that they don't have all these things like going right for them and you know uh that's kind of one of the criticisms of Brock right he needs everything to to go right to go perfectly well Brock Purdy didn't have that and then you know when it mattered at the end of the game Jordan Love you know struggled a little bit more in the second half and you saw Brock Purdy be able to make some things happen in the second half as well as get that game-winning drive Jordan Love on the other hand you know young young mistake I really do still like Jordan Love I think he's a really great quarterback I think they'll they'll be way more 49ers uh Packers matchups to come in the playoffs I'll, I'll just say that but we saw Jordan Love make the same mistake we've seen Brock Purdy make desperation for was like first down <laughs> even no less. And you're throwing across your body 
uh, cross field, you know, and it turns into an interception. Uh, we've seen Brock do that a couple of times, and he didn't need to do all that. Live to see another down. So young quarterback mistakes. 49ers were on the good side of it. Brock Purdy, 49ers, didn't turn the ball over once in this game. The Packers, Jordan Love, two interceptions. So that's pretty much that's that's it. So even despite 49ers shooting themselves in the foot several times in this game and several things stacked up against them, they could still win a game. That's the takeaway. That that's it. And everyone should feel good about that. I and I I, I yeah, I, I definitely do. And I, I get why there's some concerns for the next game because you say to yourself, there's no way, there's no way they can play like that again and think they're gonna get away with it in the NFC championship game going up against the Lions. No way. But a lot of those things. You know, the rain, as of right now, it's looking like next Sunday, favorable forecast for the 49ers. Uh, Detroit was rocking yesterday, so I'm glad the game's going to be played in Santa Clara. You know, we'll see how I, – I, I saw someone post Jordan, Jared Goff's uh, splits when he's playing in a dome versus when he plays outside, and his numbers outside aren't as good. I don't know, like – why that would make such a big difference to a quarterback, but seems to be a thing uh, with Jared Goff this season. So he's going to have to be um, outside in Santa Clara, you know, crowd noise, all that stuff. And the 49ers, hopefully a little more focused, maybe less slipping because, you know, the the rain's not going to be an issue. And, you know, I, I mean, we could talk about this this Lions game a little bit more in a bit, but I mean, how how are you kind of feeling about the team right now? Like, are are you kind of worried about what's next because of how they performed against the Packers? I'm probably not the expert in this subject because you know I'm always worried, right, about the opponent. We talked about it. I can find a reason <laughs> yeah, why they're going to win. I can find the reason why they're going to lose. Um, but I'm I'm less worried about. I think the biggest thing that gave me fear about the Green Bay Packers was the unknown around them in terms of what's the focal point should be on who you're taking away offensively. And then the weather, we just don't play well in the weather. And most people don't, you know, um, looking at the weather in Santa Clara for, like you said, next Sunday, right. For all intents and purposes, it's going to be a pretty cool, mild evening um, outdoors. I mean, this is, this is home run ball for the 49ers. I think that's exactly where they want to be. I think we'll see a difference in a game plan. I, I do expect, um, I said this last week, but I really do expect a run, a run heavy effort because that's how you're going to, I think you can have your way with Detroit's defense, but I think that's how you're going to neutralize Aiden Hutchinson and some of that pass rush. That's how you slow it down. You just got to run, you got to run the ball. Like you got to run the ball. Um, but at favorable throwing conditions with, you know, not a slick ball, not a slick field. There's receivers slipping everywhere. Defensive players were slipping everywhere. Um, and I and my confidence grows a little bit because I feel like the 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 bad performance is out of the way. Right now we're back in rhythm, back in stride, regular week, regular regular preparation. And you, you know, you can't start slow against the lines because if you're 
if you let the offense put up 14 quick, right, and, like, you're still trying to figure out your footing on offense, that's just a tougher team to come by. They're just a, a much more higher-octane-type offense um, than a lot of the teams that you, you've we faced throughout the year, and they've been really, really efficient. And they got a really cool story behind them. Like, if you're a fan of the NFL, like, you're a fan of what the Detroit Lions are doing right now and, like, what, what they've accomplished in this season because as long as I've been a football fan, the last time they accomplished this, I was like nine years old, like 10 years old, right, that they've had this level of success for themselves. But I feel really, really confident that the, the cobwebs are, have been shaken off, the rust has been knocked off, right, the dirt is off the shoulders, like let's go, collective deep breath, you survived the game you probably shouldn't have, right? And now let's yeah. go ahead, move forward, and and play the caliber of ball that that got you the number one seed um, in the NFC to begin with. And let's let's go let's go play some ball in the Super Bowl. You know, I mean, I'll look at it this way: we were just talking about the the game last season where the 49ers shouldn't have won that game against uh, the Packers in Green Bay in the snow. Was that last year? Two years. Two years ago. Two years ago. Um, and, you know, they, they made it to the NFC Championship game. Did you feel good about that game against – that was the one against the Rams. Going into it, Rams. did you feel good about the no. 49ers? No. Actually, I, I went back and looked at my show that I did prior to that game, <laughs> and I did pick the 49ers to win the game, but you hear me say this is the homer coming out of me. But the reason I felt different about that was just the – the game they played against the Rams in week 18 to get into the playoffs. Right. And then playing that opponent for the third strip mm -hmm. for the third time that year. That's just a, a different thing. They haven't seen Detroit yet. Detroit hasn't seen us. Right. So um, I think that plays well for both teams, right? You have no, no preconceived conceptions uh, on what's going to go, what's going to happen or take place like outside the tape. Um, you don't know how fast somebody is until you see the, until you're next to them. Um, that, that sort of thing on, on both sides. I felt more confident going into the Eagle game last year than I did the Ram game the the previous year. Right. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, I think the 49ers are allowed to have a gritty win. You know, a gritty win does tell us something. But there are some guys in particular, I think, in this game that had to step up. I did step up when they needed to in order for the 49ers to come away with a win. And – I, I kind of think that's how we have to look at this week's 49K Player of the Week because it isn't just about someone who played great all four quarters. I don't know if there was anyone who played great all four quarters in this game. That was just the kind of game that it was for you know, the 49ers and maybe even for both teams. Um, but, you know, Weston, I'll let you start us off here. Which player do you think, like, you know, came came up the biggest in this one? Third and Jawan. Jawan Jennings in, in this game, um, I'm taking, you know, I'm plucking the real low hanging fruit here to kick us off. But, you know, you mentioned it earlier with with Debo going out and we've analyzed in great detail how this team performs when Debo is out, is not playing in this offense. And this was a tougher scenario because you didn't account for him not being part of your Kyle's first scripted 24 and the way that he normally gets him involved. And what we love so much about Debo is like just the physicality in which he plays with and the the moxie and swag in which he plays with. And, you know, is Jawan as talented as Debo? Does he do the same things? No, but he does play with that same level of physicality. 
Um, and now he had an opportunity to step up essentially into the number two receiver slot, you know, be part of route, con- you know, concepts and, and play calls that he's not ordinarily a part of. He made a, a, a few opportune catches. Um, you know, you've been seeing the one all over Twitter and social media today, you know, with Brock's throw. I mean, e- that was equally as great of a catch and concentration as it was a, a throw in a, in a big time spot. And he went five for 61. Um, statistically, it doesn't look like a whole lot, but it was more about the moments of those plays than it, it was the play itself. And then ultimately, again, tying it back to the physicality, we all saw the highlight of him just straight blocking that dude essentially into the stands. And that's the type of player that yeah. Jawan Jennings is. And you just got to see more of it, right? Because he was just on the field more and just countless times where he's just like blocking through the whistle and frustrating his opponent. And you can see it, right? Like they were this close so many times to like that, that, Ref catching them with the slap in the helmet or whatever it was for an additional 15, yet they catch Trent, they catch Trent Williams breathing on Simone Biles' husband and throw a tag, you know, a flag for 15. But nonetheless, I regress. Jawan Jennings, hell of a game in a big time spot. I do not fault him for a negative one yard rushing because self-admittedly by the coach, he wasn't supposed to get the ball there anyway. Um, but I thought he just had a he had a big game in in a really big moment when they're you know the season's on the line and, and you need everything you can get out get from those unsung heroes right that you talked about thought I thought Jawan uh, was awesome for, for the team on Sunday or Saturday. Jawan is the epitome of an unsung hero for this team. And I think a lot of 49er fans, like, for a while, like, I mean, having the nickname Third and Jawan, I think we all know um, how clutch and how important that guy is in in certain moments. And and certainly even when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, you know, we know how good of a blocker he is, how he can piss the opposing team off, opposing corners because of his blocking – I mean, that counts for something in itself. Um, But, you know, you said it like having to have an expanded role, essentially, uh, you know, because Debo was out in this game unexpectedly, of course, and he's able to do something big with those opportunities. I mean, I think that tells you just the kind of player that he is. He had five catches on six targets, 61 yards, four of them going for first downs. And I just wanted to go through. Um, you know, each one in the scenario in, in which they happened. So the his first catch came in the second quarter. This was a touchdown drive. Um, and it was a second and 10, 49ers on the 37, on their own 37. Um, and Purdy passed it to Jennings deep middle uh for 16 yards. Then the next one uh was second and nine. This is now the uh this must have been right before. Yeah, it was right before halftime. This was the the missed field goal drive. So the 49ers trying to set something up here before the half. It was second and nine on the uh, 49ers 26-yard line. Jawan Jennings, 12 yards. So, you know, we we call him third and Jawan, but he was big on, on second downs too for the 49ers, and he converted those to first downs. Then he had a third and two. Um, I believe that's, yeah, that's later in that drive, third and two. Uh, five-yard catch, but, you know, third down converts to, to the first, so that's great. And then let's see here. He had another one that went for negative one yards. 
Uh, that was probably his only like negative play of the day. Yeah. Um, and then in the fourth quarter is really when he came alive, right? Deep middle, uh, 21 yards, third and 10 uh, on the 49ers own 39 yard line. Uh, and then let's see here. This was the final touchdown uh, that the 49ers scored. Seven yard catch. That was on first down. Um, and then hmm, let's see. What was the, the big one that he had that maybe that was the one right before, but the one that was Wasn't over the, the middle with two defenders. It said that was uh, the one on the final drive. Sorry, I'm looking at ESPN here and I'm. You're going play by play? To, yeah. It's like it takes forever to go through all these. I know. Um, I know. Um, let's see. Yeah, it wasn't on. It was on their final drive, but it was, it was just seven yards. So I don't know. No, that so that was must have been the twenty-one man. yard one, uh, which ended up being on a punt. So all that to say, though, Jawan Jennings, I think, did a lot with his opportunities, and you know, we've been knowing it for a while as 49er fans. It was great for you know national media, national fans to see what Jawan Jennings has been doing for this team. So, yeah, definitely got to give credit to him. Um, I'm going to go with another one that was like low-hanging fruit, Dre Greenlaw. <laughs> you know, uh, he had a, a great day with his two interceptions, and his two interceptions came on big moments too. The first one was in the third quarter, about two minutes left in the third. Um, it was a third and 11 uh, in Green Bay. Were, they were on their own 48, so about midfield. He gets that interception. The second interception came in the fourth quarter. Crunch time sealed the game. It was a first and 10. The Packers had actually just converted a first down. And so, again, that's why I say, like, Jordan Love probably ill-advised to go for that throw at that moment, throwing across his body. He didn't need to do all that. But I'm glad he did, and I'm glad that Dre Greenlaw was in position to make that play. And quite frankly, if Greenlaw didn't make it, Fred Warner was going to uh, – you know, Fred was pissed about that, right? Like, you and, know, he wanted maybe that. Fred, you know what? Maybe Fred would have gotten down right before, like, he would have, he'd have caught it and just stayed down. Laid there, yeah. Great Greenlaw, he, he was, he was trying to do the most. He was trying to go for that pick six because I guess Fred Warner hyped him up a little too much going into it, said he was going to get a pick six. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we were, we were all uh, wanting Dre to get down. It's funny because as soon as he caught it, I yelled, you know, my girlfriend's like, we have neighbors. And I'm like, they're fine. They're, yeah, they're okay. They, they can them. hear me yell I'm sorry, for a little I didn't bit. Even say that on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. They, they can hear me yell for a little bit. And uh, yeah. and I celebrated. And then after I was done celebrating, he still had the ball. And he was still running. And I was like, God, get, just get down. Get down. <laughs> it's just so funny how long he, he tried to keep that going. But <laughs> it didn't turn disastrous for the 49ers. And Dre Greenlaw clutch man when when it matters man yeah um my favorite thing about the the, the second green law interception obviously outside of icing the game was the post-game press conference related to when the reporters flat out like Dre, did you hear everybody yelling get down he's like yeah i heard him <laughs> Just like he's like i didn't care and i'm like all right that's funny now right exactly <laughs> and then if you saw today going around social media like 
the dot chart of like the, the the amount of ground that he covered like on that and they're they were focused on Mooney and Demo like following him around and you show Fred Warner like walking to the opposite end zone because he's like celebrating not even realizing this is like going on behind him because in his brain he's like of course he just yeah. went down because that's what right and he's like done. everyone's gonna meet me to celebrate in yes, this end zone yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's like i want to be front and center on the camera um but no i i think you know there have been times on your show stuff that i've been highly when we do the you know, who are you putting on notice? And Dre's been on my notice list of more often than not throughout this entire season. For his penalties, season. yeah. For his penalties, I've even just said, like, he just looked a little off. He wasn't looking like he was playing as fast, missed tackles. Um, the penalties are always a reason to get on that list. But um, yesterday felt like a complete game from him, and it wasn't just because of the interceptions. It was also just because, like, the two highest-rated uh, players on the defense and coverage were both our linebackers, right? When all was said and done. Um, I, I just thought they, especially with a team that's been utilizing those two young rookie tight ends as much and as frequently as Green Bay did, I thought, you know, I thought they were going to attack the middle of the field far more than they were able to. Um, but yeah, Dre was awesome in, in all aspects of the game from coverage. And listen, for a linebacker to pick off two passes in a game, especially that one at the end, that wasn't an easy play. It was a, a poor throw and an ill-advised throw. But, I mean, he still came all the way across the field. He's still, like, diving for that. There's receivers that drop that, and that's what they get paid to do, um, to still hold on to that ball in, in that moment. All I was thinking about was, like, just show me the replay and make sure that this ball didn't – the tip didn't funnily hit the ground and, like, roll a little bit. That's – I needed – um that that confirmation but you know you mentioned with jordan love right like just an ill-advised throw experience will remind him that like hey dude live to play another down you know what i mean like plenty of game here but hey fortunate for us they didn't live to play another down he threw that ball but i agree with you whether it was 57 or 54 that ball was probably getting picked off um but yeah dre just just an excellent game just uh all around you know i know we said nobody really played well for all four quarters i think he's one one of two that came pretty darn close to putting together a full 60 minutes in the football game yeah i agree and, and he had a, he allowed a 38 passer rating when targeted on saturday that's pretty low if, if case you guys didn't know um <laughs> but weston who's your who's your next uh nominee here Staying on defense and i've been we've been talking about this guy all year long the amador lenore yeah. My God. Like any he, any he he's doing it all. You know, he's whatever it was, two catches on four targets for what, like eight yards and whatever, like a, a high PFF cover grade. But for me, it's just he just sticks his nose in the business, right? Where most corners say that hey, that's a business decision I'm not willing to make. And he's got no problem. I mean, he had a span in what? I don't even know like 60 seconds of game clock, right? Like maybe like five minutes of real time where he made three like impactful plays in the game. And look, it was, again, I, another one that I feel came close to putting together a full 60. Don't know if if he did. I don't think anybody really did, but it's just it just feels like from number two, it's week after week after week of just really solid tape. And, I, you know, I, you just – Again, it's not nobody. He didn't have one of the interceptions, you know. Dre cannibalized all that for himself, but 
um, just came up really big in opportune spots, especially when one of the other corners to be named later um, was on the struggle bus for, for most of the game. Just feel like he took away his half or third of the field, depending upon the coverage. Um, and we saw this last year. We saw this in 2021 as well, where like yeah. in the playoffs, when the lights are the brightest, he just seems to play at a, an, at a, the next level. Right. And he had a really good regular season, like really good regular season, in my opinion, um, just slightly below his all pro teammate. But, uh, you know, I think he outshined all the defensive backs yesterday for the or on Saturday for the 49ers. 19.6 pass rating allowed in his postseason career for D'Amador Lenore. And Saturday, it was, it was pretty much more of the same for him. I mean, you talk about guys that elevate, you know, during the playoffs. Lenore has definitely proven to be that guy. I think, I mean, he had an awesome regular season as well. I think he's a great complement to what Moody Ward does. A great CB2 for this team. He was targeted five times, allowed just two catches for eight yards um, and a passer rating of 47.9 in his coverage on Saturday. He also had five tackles um, and had a run stuff as well. So he, I mean, he had a a great game. Um, And yeah, I think he was one of those guys that I think for the full game, you know, he he stepped up and you didn't really see anything bad from him right no. uh, and you talk about that sequence like that was pretty early in the game where you know he hit Jordan Love very close to it being out of bounds but it wasn't that was a great no call by the refs I'm really glad they got that one right um you know Love falls to the ground it gets a little chippy because of course Packers players didn't like that even though it was legal um but that got Lenore fired up it got him fired up because he came to play the next two plays. And for the rest of the game, pretty much he was on one. Um, And at a certain point I was like, man, if you just clone like at least seven more Lenores (laughs) on this defense, I think we'll, we'll be all right in this game. But yeah, Lenore one man show, I think was, was enough to, uh, you know, limit some things for the Packers and, you know, the Packers have some great receivers, you know, there's some young uh, you know, really talented guys. So, you know, it, it wasn't an easy task for these corners. Uh, so definitely Lenore, you know, I, I definitely got to give him his props. Do you have any other guys to nominate? Cause we, we've gone through three now and that's, that's all I had on my list for this week. I'm, I'm not going without re-mentioning Christian McCaffrey's name. Um, just, I know we take, we take him for granted. I am well aware of this. But 128 total yards, 98 on the ground, 30 receiving. What do you have? 24 total touches, two touchdowns. I mean, he was the offense. Like we said he should have been. It just it just looked different. You know, like what do we know? In a rain-heavy game, the way the 49ers offenses look, where you think it's going to be a 40-carry game, Kyle's like, nah, just kidding. I'm going to let my quarterback throw it 39 times, right? And you're not down 21 points where you're trying to make a comeback. Like – the running game was is always on the table in a one possession football game. It's never off, especially the explosive big plays. He's just he's just so good. He is so consistent, and we are so fortunate that he is our running back. Um, and yeah, I just could not go a step further without just 
consistently recognizing that this man is I don't use the word elite, but he's elite. There's oh, just yeah. no I other mean, way around it. Like if you yeah, if you're no, gonna use no if you're gonna use the word, you use I, it on Christian McCaffrey. I use it in the right context about the right <laughs> yeah. individuals. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's probably like I don't know how to explain. Like, you know, of course every team is wanting to score on every play like you know but you also get those plays that okay maybe you weren't meant to score on that one you know maybe you were just trying to get a few yards kind of thing but Christian McCaffrey is like the kind of running back that can score even on those score on those plays that you probably weren't even meant to score on like he'll just make the impossible look possible and I think both of his touchdowns in this game kind of had that feel to it like you weren't really expecting them to score quite yet but just the way that McCaffrey is able to move around uh you know through traffic the way he he moves his body around um it's tough to bring down so I, I really appreciate that about Christian McCaffrey. Um, I'm glad that, you know, you nominated him because, you know, maybe I take him for granted a little bit and, and you we always remind me that you always <laughs> remind me like, you know what? He deserves to be nominated for 49 K player of the week every single week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this week is no less. So glad that you mentioned him. Uh, Do you have any others? No. All right. In that case, we've got four players who we want you guys to vote on for 49K Player of the Week. That is Jawan Jennings, Diamador Lenore, Christian McCaffrey, Dre Greenlaw. Um, And I'm going to put their names up on the list here in a second. But you guys, start voting in the comments. Let us know uh, who you guys want to be. 49K Player of the Week for Divisional Round against the Packers. And in the meantime, me and Weston, like we always do, are going to put some players on notice. You first. <laughs> well, I mean, we were just talking about <laughs> corners, right? We were players just do not be about, named. <laughs> we were just talking about Diamador Lenore. I was just talking about how these Packers wide receivers, you know, they're great. They're a challenge, I think, for, you know, a lot of corners and but the reason that Diamador Lenore is a candidate this week for 49K Player of the Week is because he handled it well. And I would even say Mooney Ward handled it well, even though you know he's not a nominee for this week. On the other hand, Ambry Thomas. I don't know what happens with Ambry Thomas in the playoffs. Like, we're just talking about Lenore, how he steps it up in the playoffs, and it's like, yeah, it's just... It's what we got in the regular season, but even better. And then you have Ambry Thomas, on the other hand, who, like, I got to give him credit because after the bye week, he was a huge part of the defense, you know, kind of turning things around. Like Isaiah Oliver getting to the bench and Ambry Thomas holding things down on the outside while Lenore slipped inside to the to cover the slot. Like, that – I mean, that was good for the defense in, in, in the second half of the season. But I was hoping and expecting that play to carry on into the playoffs. My bad. <laughs> My bad for assuming that we would get the same level of play because we did not. And not only was it not the same level of play, it was 
it was the same level of play we had seen from Ambry Thomas when we were like, man, this guy needs to get off this team. Like we had gotten to that point with Ambry Thomas and he reeled us back in, in the regular season, because like I said, he proved, he proved to us that he deserved to be on the field. And he did. He, he turned some things around. He got his swagger back, his confidence back and his confidence just looked lost on Saturday. Two PI penalties one of them was so egregious. I like, I don't even, I can't even articulate just how bad it was. It was a third and 15 or 16 for the Packers. Long, deep throw from Jordan Love. You are in position to make a play on it. And instead, you panic and you hug the guy because you don't know what else to do. Yeah. Why? Just put. Like, put your hand, like, do anything besides that. Anything. Um, it was just, it was terrible for Mambry Thomas. So he is someone that I want to put on notice this week. You are not going to try that shit against Amon, <laughs> Amon Ross St. Brown. You are not going to try that shit against Sam Laporta, whoever, you know, the Reynolds that they have, uh, you know, in Detroit. Yeah. You are not going to let Jared Goff get a big play because of pass interference. You won't let it happen. Ambry, get your act together, man. We need it. Yeah. Newsflash number 20. They're going to find you on Sunday night. They know exactly where you're going to line up. And, hey, that's on Wilkes to figure out how you scheme against this. I think the thing that's most frustrating with with Ambry was, like, again, take the the extremely egregious P.I. I don't have a problem with P.I., Right. Like if you're going to, if you're getting beat, yeah, and it saves a touchdown, yeah, grab them and pull them to the ground. I'll take that all day long. Right. Like make them go earn their points. What bothered me was he was in perfect position, played the ball, played his man. I like in the most ideal fashion whatsoever. But when he was there, it's just like he forgot he was playing football or something. You know what I mean? Or like just lacked like confidence in himself to finish the play and, lose his footing or or whatever it was and he just sat there in disbelief like that really just happened like yeah dude on national television we all saw that i think that's what's like more frustrating about it especially just because like we had written you everything you said we we wrote him off we brought him back we indeed you know we were endearing to him and here we are on the biggest of stages um going going through it again but that's that's the hard part about playoff football is like they're going to find you and they have the weapons to find you because mm-hmm. they're not just one guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's they're going to find number 20. So what are we going to do about it? And what we're going to do about it is related to who I want to put on notice. And it's not a player. It's the entire defensive line. Like, <laughs> can we sack the quarterback? I know it's not about like, I know they're getting pressure, What? Whatever, like I know they're wreaking a little bit, bit of havoc, but sacking the quarterback is what finishes drives, right? Like, and you're gonna have a not so mobile target on Sunday night next week. Like, please, please bring him to the ground. Like, Chase Young, Nick Bosa, Hargrave. I just need more. Like, I, I'm sorry, but like. How are you going to stunt that high? Listen, they run the ball well. They throw the ball well. 
they got everything going for them, right? Like you, you got to smack them in the face. It's not about pressure. Like you have to get home in this game because one of those is going to change the game, whether it's on a big third down, whether it's a strip sack fumble, something like somebody please make contact with the quarterback in a physical manner. And we just haven't seen that from in a defensive line that is littered with first round draft picks. We just haven't seen it. We haven't seen it in a couple of weeks, Steph. This isn't like a revelation, you know, like or like an anomaly that it just happened to be one game when nothing else was going well. Like that was one thing that was giving me confidence coming into this game was like, all right, bad weather. They got to play in the elements to get after the quarterback, right? Get after the quarterback, run the football, get after the quarterback, run the football. And we just like, I know there was 22 pressures. I think that's an inflated number, right? I didn't see 22 times that Jordan love felt like he had a bail out of the pocket or was in panic mode. Um, I just he they need to get home. I don't know how else to say it. Like they they have to get home. And this has been a problem all season. It honestly has, right? Like it's it's the numbers just haven't been there like they were in 2022 and 2021, even in 20, like they have to get home. Those are game-changing plays in the playoffs. I have good news about that, and I have bad news about that. Let's go with the let's start with the bad. <laughs> no. Uh, okay. The, the bad news. Well, you got to hear the good news first before the bad news. So I'm, okay. I'm, I'm going to start with the good news. So Jordan love is actually a great quarterback when it comes to getting the ball out with pressure in his face. So like there will be defenders in his face. He does not care. He will, he will get the ball off. It's going to be a good um, player. He's going to be a good player in this league. Yeah, he's great. So like when the quarterback gets the ball off, like you still feel like, there wasn't any pressure, even if there was just because it didn't impact the quarterback. So, I mean, that's kind of the, the bad news about playing the Packers and Jordan love. The good news is that Jared Goff is not that guy, pal. He, (laughs) I mean, he, as we've seen, he does get rattled uh, when he does get pressure. So that's the good news. But the bad news is that the lions have, one of the best offensive lines in the league. And I haven't seen Jared Goff have any pressure get to him because his offensive line is so freaking good right now. Now I know um, Jonah Jackson, their left guard exited that game, not looking good to play on Sunday. As of right now, uh, their center Ragnow. He has a sprained knee and a sprained ankle, and he is going to play. Oh, he's definitely playing. That dude yeah, he's playing. He's, yeah, dude's, dude's a beast. I got to give yeah. him that. Uh, and so, yeah, that's the bad news. Detroit's line is way better than the Packers' line. And so don't be surprised. Sorry to say, Weston, but don't be surprised if we have another game where you see the defensive line not get home. And it's going to fall on the secondary again against this Lions team. Uh, so It's not a winning formula for this game. I'm just telling you, right? Like, it, I mean, I know. You don't have to tell me. I mean, the do I think the pressure could get there once or twice, a few times, and it could lead to, like, a big play for the defense? Possibly. Like, you only need one pressure in the game, and if that one pressure turns into an interception, that can change your entire game right there. Totally. So I, I think – 
That's what it might come down to uh, for the 49ers defense, but it's not going to get any easier. Now, I have one more guy to put on notice before we head out of here and reveal who the 49K Player of the Week. By the way, still tied for 49K Player of the Week between Jennings and Dre. So if you haven't voted yet, please vote. Get those votes in. <laughs> yeah, please vote. Um, but one more guy that I wanted to put on notice, and a couple of people in the comments agreed with me, Logan Ryan. Logan Ryan. And look, going going into this game, I was kind of expecting. I, I mentioned it before. I don't know if it was with you, Weston, but I had mentioned it in one of my shows before. I was like, you know, it would not surprise me if the 49ers went with the veteran presence and continue to roll with Logan Ryan at safety instead of Jair Brown in the playoffs. They tend to do that when it comes to playoff time. They like having guys with experience, the veterans, all that. But he didn't play so great in this game against the Packers. And I don't know if weather had something to do with it. I don't know. But I think it was enough to make it a conversation throughout the week of, hmm, should we put Jair Brown back in? Like, I understand basically what Kyle Shanahan said for the reasoning why they went with Ryan over Brown was that they liked the experience that Ryan has. You know, on the other hand, you know, Brown having missed a few weeks, having to go back in there, his first game back after, you know, being out of, couple weeks is a playoff game like they just didn't feel great about that basically is what he said um I mean I I get it but at least you know Jair Brown oh he also mentioned Jair Brown's like over aggressiveness um you know sometimes maybe a little too aggressive and that puts him in bad position I get that. Like that's, that is the thing with like younger players. We saw that with Hufunga quite a bit, but at the same time, his over aggressiveness is kind of what puts him in position all at the same time to make some good plays. And so some of the plays that I saw Logan Ryan not make is ones that I know Jair Brown would have made just because he would have driven uh, to Aaron Jones. Uh, I just saw that, that play um, where he just completely <laughs> whipped on. Yeah. He completely whiffed on on Aaron Jones um, before you know it. Jones is in front of him. And so, yeah, I I know Brown makes that tackle. So, I don't know. It's just something to think about throughout this week. I don't know if they make a change there. But, Ryan, if you're going to be out there, buddy, hopefully it's a better game against the Detroit Lions because they are going to, you know, give the secondary some problems if – all those guys aren't on their P's and Q's. Yeah, I totally understand the reasoning from Kyle. I'd probably make the same decision, right, playing Logan Ryan. But it was obviously an issue enough that the question was raised in the postgame as to, like, why wasn't Jair Brown out there if he's healthy now? And you got the answer. So I think the, the thought is stewing. We'll see where that leaves us come Sunday night if, if you know, 27's back in the lineup or or not or, you know, a healthy scratch or not. Um, my gut tells me that Logan Ryan gets another shot, right, just because of the veteran presence. And, you know, vets have a higher propensity to back back, bounce back, excuse me, from from poor outings. But, it, yeah, it, it wasn't a good game, right, by any means from from Logan Ryan. But I don't know if the answer is 
putting the rook back in who's got plenty of rust for not playing for five or six weeks consecutive you know like i don't know if that's the right move the practice week will determine that right logan ryan's confidence walking around jair's confidence walking around at the facility uh that's what it's i I literally do believe this will be like up to the moment when they have to announce the inactives they will be contemplating this decision yeah uh very possible i guess i just want like i want to see some urgency from ryan i mean you i want to feel like he earned it and he didn't just get this opportunity because he has the veteran experience like you know and it kind of just looked like you know (laughs) like the latter so um but weston who is your vote for 49k player of the week drag greenlaw mine as well your uh divisional round 49k player of the week is Dre greenlaw Close second was Juwan Jennings. Look, I just got to say, like, if the roles were flipped, like, if the order of when the the plays happened or, like, you know, if Dre Greenlaw's interception happened right before and then it was Jennings who had to make some crazy catch, I'd probably be leaning Jennings. But it's just the moment, the moment when it happened for Dre Greenlaw to make that play when the Packers still had a chance to either tie the game or win it, like to me, that holds uh, way more weight. So I had to vote for Drake Greenlaw, but guys, we vote for our 49k player of the week every week on this show, every Monday. Uh, so make sure, you know, you guys are tuned in next week as well. Thank you guys for uh, voting. And make sure you guys keep it locked on our channels all through the week, because Man, we still got some playoff football to talk about. Another week of content. And Weston, what's going on? What's on your mind? No, I'm just telling oh, them the to subscribe. subscribe. I just the couldn't subscribe. figure out which way my hand like was going. Subscribe <laughs> animation. Like, yes, the pointer. <laughs> so make sure you subscribe, not just to my channel, Steph49K, but Weston's as well. Weston, what's your handle on YouTube? Oh God, I forgot at this point at WTF pod NFL. There will be some changes come the off season. I've been focused mainly part uh, partner up with Steph on, on this weekly Monday show. got some things in the personal life between moving and doing all that juggling the family, but we'll be full swing off season. So stay tuned for something that we're going to call Island 49. You'll see and hear more about that. But for the meantime, you focus on Steph. She gives you great content. Six out of seven days a week, and she leads you right up into the game. She's got awesome guests, awesome shows. Like, subscribe, ask the questions. She loves the audience participation. Y'all were fantastic tonight. Wow. Okay. I I, I really couldn't have said any of that better myself. <laughs> but that's pretty much our show. To make sure you guys like this video if you have not yet. But for now, have a good rest of your Monday, folks. Peace. <laughs>